You're listening to the P-Town Church Podcast. To learn more about our in-person services or additional sermon content like this, visit palcc.org. That's P-A-L-C-C dot O-R-G. As we continue our expedition in this real Christian experience, I thought it was important, and Alan uh, had laid this out in his plan for 2024, this idea of being connected to one another, being connected to God through generosity. The realistic Christian experience must incorporate God's generosity into our daily living. If we're not experiencing God's generosity and we're not expressing God's generosity then we're not truly experiencing what God has in store for us as believers. Because generosity towards God, the the vertical, and generosity to those around us, the horizontal, it really proves God's love in us. 1 John 3, verse 16 through 19 makes that very clear when it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. How do we do that? Well, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. How can we claim to love God if we don't use the resources that we have available to us to help our brothers and sisters in need? And he uses that word material possessions to point out this idea of our making a a physical sacrifice of some kind, a material, a money sacrifice, a sacrifice of our time, our energy to help our brothers and sisters Generosity is our expression of love and trust in God. It is something that He has expressed towards us, as Alan pointed out, overwhelmingly, heapingly. Although I wish you hadn't used Chinese food as an example, because they don't really like Chinese food. But I'm going to imagine that was ribs in that uh, container overflowing. God is so generous to us. He's generous to us in the giving of His Son, Christ, His Son Jesus. He's generous to us in the taking care of our every need. And so when we have this opportunity to participate in His generosity by passing that along or expressing that as we've experienced that, the devil's going to get right up in there and he's going to try to diss us from that experience through this month we'll talk about discontent. Discontent is used by the devil in our lives so that we're going to be afraid. We're going to be afraid that that someone's going to take what God has blessed us with so we won't ever have enough. Or we might look at it from the standpoint of those he tells us to help. We'll think they're not deserving of our generosity because they're corrupt or because they're just living in accordance with their own reaping and sowing. 
But God has called us to be generous in every way. No matter the circumstance, when we see a brother or sister, when we see someone who is in need, the, the compelling factor here is to be like Jesus and to share that love, share what we have with others by having pity upon them. God has called us to be generous in every way, even in the face of famine. It's not about the circumstance or situation of what we have. Alan was reading from Romans 8 there, just beyond what he was saying. We learn that not even famine can separate us from that love that we have in Christ Jesus. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine? Knowing all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Not even famine. And famine is one of those things that takes place in a societal way where either the economy or some kind of natural disaster or some kind of corruption is leaving everyone poorer. Or there might be some kind of natural disaster, an earthquake or flood or, or, or tornado or hurricane that takes away our resources and our income. But not even famine can separate us from the love that we have in Christ Jesus, even though the devil's working overtime to disconnect us from Jesus through our discontent. So in the real Christian experience, we prove through generosity that we are his followers, that we're Christians. And we're going to talk about that today, and then next week we'll talk about how our generosity proves that we are really compassionate. It shows what true compassion is. We'll define what that is. It's not what the world says compassion is. We'll also learn from Jesus himself that our generosity is really what makes us clean. And then finally, the last week here in February, we'll talk about how our generosity proves that we're committed to God's cause because it's not always easy for us to do. We're going to learn that the realistic Christian experience will be generous in every way by giving of ourselves, First, and then through every resource we have available to us, every gift that is ours, every talent, every ability, and every bit of hospitality that we have. And if we feel discontent because we fear a famine of some sort is around the corner, and that's preventing us from generosity, we will become discontented with everything. We'll be discontented. I think this describes how many people feel today with our income, with our amount of bills, you know, income's down, expenses are up. It never goes the other way. Income never goes up and expenses never go down. When income goes up, the people who have charged the expenses, they figure out a way to get that income so it goes, uh, you know, it goes the opposite direction. So our income's down, our bills are up, our future is uncertain. We've got an election that's upcoming that is unlike anything I could have even imagined for the United States of America. But if we're willing to be generous, if we're willing to be what God has called us to be, then we can count on this fact. God will meet our every need, and He will provide the abundance for us to share with those in need around us. Not scraps, but what is the, the first fruits? We'll talk about that. And generosity is what keeps us connected to God 
because we are being like Him and we understand why He is so generous to us. And it keeps us connected to those around us because they see a genuine person, someone who's authentic because you're willing to share what it is that you have, your first fruits. So let's dig into this idea that generosity proves that we really are Christians. We are followers of Jesus. And if you want to, you can find in your Bible 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1-5. through 5. It'll appear on the screen. You can look it up on your app. There are Bibles there in front of you. You can look up 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Just open up there and we'll be looking through verses 1-5. through 5. It says this, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a severe trial, their overflowing joy... And their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. To understand the context of this verse, we have Paul who's been traveling around. There's been a famine in Jerusalem and they're taking up an offering for those who are affected by that in Jerusalem, especially the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. He's making his way back through some of the towns that he has already visited. Uh, among the towns in Macedonia that we're talking about here would be Thessalonica, um, Berea, uh, Philippi. You remember we talked about how Paul got in trouble in Thessalonica. They were wanting to get him, and that's where we had our prayer of partnership come from. In the midst of suffering and trial they had, they still were overflowing in their poverty, in their giving, in their joy. And even though they had extreme poverty, it welled up in rich generosity. And Paul was saying this, writing this to the Corinthian people, who lived south of the Macedonians, to remind them that the people who had less and were under greater persecution were actually giving more than those who had more and had lesser persecution. He wanted to testify as an example of what they were doing, that they were giving as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. So we want to learn from the, these verses the kind of example that we can be in generosity in the realistic Christian experience of this world. The first thing we learn here is that Christian generosity flows from joy, not from abundance. It flows from joy not from abundance. Paul says of the Macedonian churches, overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. He contrasts the overflowing joy, their extreme poverty. How could they be overflowing with joy and still be suffering extreme poverty? What he was pointing out here is because they were overflowing with joy, didn't matter that they had extreme poverty, it still welled up in rich generosity. One of the problems that we have these days is things are often tighter than we really want them to be. Now, compared to the rest of the world, 
all of us are living like kings and queens. We have things that many people around the world can't even imagine having on a daily basis. Uh, one of those things might be just the, the thing we take for granted in running water in our homes or having a toilet inside the house. The people in Thess Thessalonica and Philippi and Berea, they were enduring great trials and persecutions. Paul writes about it here in Corinthians. He also writes about it when he writes to them in 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. It was so bad, Paul even brought up that idea of the Antichrist there. The suffering was severe. The trials and persecutions were extreme. And often what that meant for Christians in that day and age is they would suffer financially because of that. Remember how I talked about they worked them up into a frenzy in the community, into a turmoil? Well, that meant that you're not going to go to Jason's shop to buy because he was friends of Paul and Barnabas who caused all this trouble around the world, you know. Sometimes people will put on their uh, advertisements uh, a little fish or a dove or maybe the word Christian in it, spirit-filled or whatever. And that seems interesting. The Macedonian churches were suffering in such a way where if you were known to be a Christian, it would increase your trial and persecution and cut into your bottom line. But they still lived with joy and gave generously to the Jerusalem famine victims. So much so that Paul used them as an example to the Corinthian church, which was richer, more opulent, more well-off. Sometimes we get confused and we think, well, our generosity must, can only flow from our abundance. We can only give when we have more than what we need. And if that's your attitude, you're missing the point of generosity. Generosity flows from the joy that we have in our heart from what we received from God. It doesn't depend on the circumstance. It doesn't depend upon the bottom line. It depends upon the opportunity that we have to give and the opportunity that God gives us to share. We see this represented in the story of the widow that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 21, verse 1 through 4. Remember that story? It says, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Now, how could she do that? She could only do that as if she had joy in her heart and she knew that God was going to care for her and take care of her every need. We have more billionaires in our world than ever before. I think someone even became a trillionaire, if I'm not mistaken. These trillionaires and billionaires, they like to point out how much they give to the world in whatever foundations that they develop. And it's interesting how if 
someone who is, becomes famous as an athlete or uh, something like that, uh, or famous as an actor, actress, they will often set up a foundation so that some of their resources can go to that foundation and help them with their tax situation. But the kind of generosity that God has given to us that is exemplified by the Macedonian churches was that they were going to give not out of their abundance. It isn't about giving from our abundance. It's about giving from the joy, even from our poverty, knowing that God will supply our every need. We'll get more into that next Sunday. I misspoke last week, said we'd do that this week, but... That's going to be next week. Christian generosity isn't about giving from our abundance. It's about giving from joy, even from our poverty, knowing that will supply our every need. I've told this story before about my mama's checks. I would sit there at church at offering time. I don't know why she always waited till offering time to get her checkbook out, but she'd like she'd forget. She'd get her offering out. She'd be scribbling as they're starting to pass the plate. And she sat up front, so sometimes the deacon would have to kind of stand there and look at her like, come on, Kay, you know, you're holding up the whole, the whole system here. And so she'd write out her check, she'd pull it, she'd fold it up, put it in the envelope, mark it, put it in there, and then pass it on down. And then she'd, she'd grab a hold of my hand and she'd say, Mikey, let's pray that God will put the money in there for that. It took me a long time to understand what she, talked, what she was talking about, but she was a waitress, of course, so she lived mostly off her tips. Uh, we would go to the store daily, and we'd buy groceries based upon her tip money. Um, and so the small salary that she got or the, the wages that she received as a waitress were, were uh, very little. But she would often put a check in the, the offering plate, not knowing if... She would have enough money in the bank to cover that when she got paid on Monday. Now, you might think that my mama was crazy, but the one thing that I learned from her is that she didn't give out of her abundance. She gave out of her joy, and God took care of her. God always watched over her. He always blessed her. And especially as she got more towards the end of her life, God really blessed her with a lot of interesting things that most people would never be able to have. We inherited oil wells um, in our family. I've got a portion of an oil well out there. Now, don't get excited. It's not like Jed Clampett. You know, I can't move to Beverly Hills. I can't even buy a stick of gum with what uh, we get from that uh, right now. But the thing about it is, is God will bless and he'll take care of her. My mom knew that, that if she gave out of her joy and not from her abundance, that God would take care of her needs, and he did. Christian generosity flows from joy, not abundance. Christian generosity also flows from love and not ability. It flows from love, not ability. Now, the scripture here, it says, they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. Now, that word on their own means they, it, they chose themselves to do it. It was self-chosen, out of love. They were the ones that weren't going to give. They weren't going to wait for others to step up 
and be generous, they were going to be the ones that were going to step up entirely on their own. They chose themselves to be generous, even though they were suffering great trial and had little. They gave as much as they were able and beyond what they were able entirely on their own. So it's not about your ability to give. It's about the love that you have in your heart where you choose, I will be used of God to meet this particular need. Paul was using their example of self-choosing to stimulate the Corinthians to generosity based upon love, not ability. You remember what he wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 13 about love? He says, If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. He goes on to say that love is not self-seeking. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Our relationship with God and our generosity and our giving flows out of our love for others. We see that clearly in 1 John. You cannot say that you love others if you do not love God. And you cannot say that you love God if you ignore the needs, the material needs of those who are around you. Christian generosity isn't about giving based upon our ability to do so, but it's about giving out of love to protect, to trust, and to preserve. And we do that out of hope. Not about ability, but it's just giving out of love. Now why that is important, we'll get into more next week about how God loves a cheerful giver. And we're to give what He puts on our hearts to give. But it's important for us to remember that God calls us all to be generous. Even your preacher here is called to be generous. I remember when I first started ministry, I had some, I can't remember exactly who it was, but I remember how this conversation with someone who was in the preaching ministry, and um, he was talking about Levitical privilege. What's Levitical privilege? And so he explained that if I was going to be in, if I was going to be a preacher, then I would never have to put money in the offering because the offerings uh, that are collected are for ministry, and I was doing ministry, so I would be exempt from having to share in that ministry by making a sacrifice in uh, offerings. And for about ten seconds, I thought that was a really good idea, and then right after that, well, that can't be right, and it wasn't. I'd learned from my mom, I'd learned all my life that there is no difference between those who preach and those who hear, no, those who lead and those who follow. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, and we all share in that ministry. And so since that time, whatever we've had, Elizabeth and I, we've had a small church, and then we got a little bigger church, then we came back to a small church, but God has taken care of us all these years 43, 40, how many years have we been married? 45 almost, This coming this June. As a couple, as a family, God has taken care of our every need. And the only thing that we've ever gotten without were things we didn't really need. And we have practiced generosity in the sense of participating in God's ministry 
in the mission of God's church, in the mission of those um, who serve in his name through the church. And God has just blessed us and taken care of us. Because we know it's not out of ability, but it's just out of love for others. Third thing here is that generosity, generosity flows from a sense of peace, not anticipation. Paul goes on to say about the Macedonians, they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. Even Paul seemed surprised by their genuine eagerness to give first of themselves and then to others. Now, why is that important? Because in our culture, generosity or charity has become one of those things that allows us to distance ourselves from the people that we think we might be helping. So there are several layers we put between us called bureaucracy and the need. Whatever organization, you name it, um, whatever big organization you can think of that we have in our country, one of the things that makes it difficult for them to help those who really have needs and disasters and whatever is that they have this big bureaucracy. And you can even go see how much is spent on administration versus how much actually gets to those who they say that they're really going to care for. And sometimes it can be as much as 90 cents on the dollar goes to administration. And only 10 cents of what you give to those groups gets to the people. That's why we love giving to IDES is because IDES commits itself to give um, almost 100% of the money that comes in goes to take care of the natural disasters that they help with. We can only do that if we give of ourselves to the Lord first. And we don't try to insulate ourselves with bureaucracy because we have peace. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. Paul was writing the Philippian people. Again, they're part of the Macedonian churches. He said, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Our generosity can flow from our peace because we're willing to rejoice, have joy, love others by giving. We don't have to be anxious about it. We can just in every situation through prayer, petition, thanksgiving, present ourselves to God in those situations. And we have a peace that will transcend all understanding. We'll guard our, mind, guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And again, this goes back to where we can set in rest before the Lord, it says... We are at rest in Him, as 1 John reminded us. Christian generosity isn't about giving because someone expects it. And if someone is expecting it and putting pressure on you, that's when you should know that there's a problem here. I'm not a big fan of the televangelist who likes to have their program, their show, and at the end of the show they a lot of pressure about this, that, and the other thing. You've known me for a long time, over 30 years. You know that I don't pressure you about finances. 
or money or giving or anything like that. We trust that God's going to provide. He always has and He always will. But there are a lot of people who might put pressure on you to give to whatever cause, whatever charity, whatever group. But God never puts pressure on us. God never pressures us to give. He just promises us to give. We can have peace that passes all understanding because God is near. There's no need for us to have anxiety. His promise to us is whatever we give in His name, He will bless. And we don't give so that we can receive. We give because we have received. And there's a big difference. For those out there who might tell you, if you will give, you will receive from God. Well, they're missing the whole point. We give because we've already received from God. As Alan pointed out, God is generous, overflowing in our lives with so many wonderful things. And just because we haven't taken time to stop and appreciate it, doesn't mean He's not overflowing into your life. In the realistic Christian experience, generosity allows us to remain connected to God because we can rest in Him. The joy, love, joy, peace, those are the three biggies of the fruit of the Spirit. We can rest in those things in Him, be like Him. And we can, can remain connected to those who are around us, not afraid to look and see the need because we know God can work through us and through our generosity. Now, this doesn't mean that everything that you see, you will reach out and try to meet that need. It's not about guilt or shame. It's about having a sense of understanding what God is laying on your heart. An example of that is I can go by in almost every person that's standing on the side of the road with a piece of cardboard that says, help me. I will look at them and I will, I'll have a sense of, of, of desire to wonder what's going on with them, that they need that help. But I've learned over time that a lot of those people are not being legitimate about what their need is. Even the, the people who run businesses where these panhandlers are around, they will encourage you not to give to the panhandler because it discourages business around them. You're going to see someone standing with a sign everywhere. You're going to see some people in your life all over who have a need around you. And what God teaches us to do is remain connected to Him with that job, joy, love, um, the joy, the love, and the peace, and let Him lay upon our hearts what we will do in every situation. Our generosity proves we are Christians because you can't claim Christianity unless you embrace generosity. And this was proven oftentimes in the early church when everyone else would leave and vacate those who were in need. The church stood around and cared for and loved and helped them. And whenever they saw that, they saw the genuineness of it, the integrity of it, and they wanted to be a part of that. We really don't have any excuses not to be generous. The devil will try to make us discontented with what we have or make so that we hoard it in fear. That will cost us joy and love and peace. 
But I hope that what you've learned today from the example of the Macedonian church is that even in the midst of poverty and persecution, you can be so generous as to impress even the Apostle Paul himself. But not giving out of your abundance, but out of your joy. Not giving from your ability, but from your love. Not giving out of a sense of anticipation from others, you know, the expectation of others, but just from peace that God gives you. So, last week we talked about our prayer project. Have you been praying every morning, every meal, over every matter? If you forgot, let me remind you, uh, bring back to your, our prayer project for this year is to pray every morning. This day the Lord's made, I'll rejoice and be glad in it. Pray for those in our family, pray for those who are around us. Pray at every meal, thank God for His many blessings. Look around you, see the people that you need to be praying for at every meal. And pray over every matter, no matter what it is. You be praying over every matter. Every morning, every meal, every matter. Everybody say it. Every Morning, every meal, every matter. Again, every morning, every meal, every matter. One more time. Every morning, every meal, every matter. Our project here for generosity is this. To be generous in every ministry. God will lay upon your heart those ministries, like our ministry here. And again, there's no pressure here, and the point is not to try to guilt you or shame you or pressure you to give more, you know, to put more in the offering plate or anything like that. This is more a fundamental process and discussion about your generosity. But our ministry here, it does operate off of your generosity and your giving. We're able to do the things that we do and reach out to the people that we reach out to because of your gifts. And whatever God has laid upon your heart to give, God has put all those things together and He has blessed this church in so many wonderful ways. We're just keep, you know, we keep plugging away. You need to review your giving plan when it comes to every ministry in your life. There are several options that we have for ministry. Of course, my, my personal conviction is that if I'm participating in a church ministry, that there has to be a, um, a particular focus on that. And so when it comes to my family, we focus on our ministry here. But that doesn't mean that we don't support other ministries outside when we have the opportunity. Elizabeth helps out a little girl in, where is she from? Togo, through Compassion International. But whatever the ministry, every ministry... You need to be thinking about how God can use you to bless it by being more, genero being more generous to it. Every mission, God will lay upon your hearts those missions and missionaries like the Cheesemans, like the Knoxes, like Ides, as we talked about in December. These missions that we have that we give to that reach out into the world or reach out to help those who are suffering with physical uh, difficulty or going through trauma through natural disasters. Reconsider what you share in terms of missions. What we do with our mission program is we encourage people to give and then over and, above, over and above their regular giving to give towards missions. You can do that by designating a certain amount. If you want to, you can use the envelopes that we have. You can use a check. Uh, however you want to do it, you write down what your gift is to our ministry and then uh, how much you want to designate uh, beyond that to missions. 
We do that so that we can support these folks, the camp and the Cheesemans and the Knoxes and, and Ides and Dark County Youth for Christ and so many different things that we can help with. And if you have questions about that, you can talk to Jerry or Alan or you can talk to me and we'll tell you how that works. We want you to review your giving plan for every ministry. We want you to reconsider what you can share with our missions. And we want you to reevaluate how you're using your time. Because, as Paul said, they give of themselves first. Every minute belongs to the Lord. And we need to consider how God can use our minutes and our day to bless and encourage and help others. How can we be generous with our time and helping others? God will lay upon your heart how you can use each minute of your life to be generous towards others in some tangible way. But you sometimes have to just reevaluate and think through it because if you're just going to go based upon what's happening in your life, the devil's got enough distractions to make you feel discontent. Well, you'll be thinking about more about yourself and taking care of your, unneed, your own needs instead of thinking about a tangible way that you can bless someone else with a word of encouragement, with a prayer, with some kind of material gift or uh, anything like that. Generosity is something that's so important because it keeps us connected to God and it keeps us connected to those who are around us. And as we deep dive into this, this, uh, this matter all through the month of February, I hope that you invite others to come be a part of us and that you'll remain faithful in being here with us each Sunday as we talk about it. Because it is a great blessing for you to live in the generosity of God as you share that generosity with others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Start off great with biscuits and gravy. Appreciate so much Josh and Monica and their generosity to us in, in preparing these things for us today just to enjoy as a church family. Now, help us to take that energy that we have from that, go into, into this world and bless others with our message and with the opportunities we have to share with them, to give to them, to be to help them in some way. Lord, anytime we talk about generosity, there's always this kind of cynical side of us that says, oh, we're just talking about, you know, more money for the church. But Lord, help me to make sure my heart is pure in that and help others who hear these messages to understand that our 10 is not to talk about that, but to talk about the relationship that we have with you and the relationship that we have with others through giving. Part of that is the ministry here and our mission outreach. Part of that is using our time and our energy for the work of the Lord here. But the most important thing here is the joy, the love, the peace that we experience realistically as Christians because we accept your generosity, we experience fully, and then we express it to those who are around us in real and real-time ways. As we dig into this subject matter for the rest of this month, just help us to learn all we need to know to be strong in this area for you. Bless this church with those who would come in and be eager to learn, eager to grow, 
curious about salvation, their love for Christ. Help us to be generous in our invitations and our encouragement to those in our life to come join us, be with us, and share in this ministry. And Lord, we do all this for your glory and for your honor, not for our own. Lord, bless it to that end is my prayer. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, that all God's people say,